0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. This morning, I would like to take you on a journey to three places that I would recommend and that we really need to visit with others in our life. And my hope in doing this today um, that you will better understand that those who you bring with you would better understand and experience the real hope that we have and can have in God. Now, all of these places, just the three that we're going to look at today, are just happen to be found in Joshua's chapter 4 and 5. And I just want to begin by saying, if you ever read a passage of scripture in the Bible that really stuck with you after you first read it, you know one of these one of these passages for me is found in Joshua chapter four. See, God had just caused uh, the Israelites to cross the Jordan into the Promised Land. Now that shouldn't have happened because the Jordan uh, River during this harvest season, when this happened, was flooded and the waters were rushing by fiercely. And the enemy on the other side had thought, well, we have nothing to worry about because Israel will never be able to cross the Jordan right now. However, God did a miracle and dried up the riverbed, just like he did the Red Sea, so they could pass over safely to the other side. And when they got to the other side, Joshua instructed a man from each of the 12 tribes of Israel to go back into this dry riverbed, pick up a huge stone and bring it back out onto the shore. And they were to take these 12 stones and they were to build this huge memorial. Why? Well, in in verses six and seven of Joshua chapter four, it tells us the purpose. And and it's this purpose which has always resonated in my life, and I, I really believe it will in yours as well. So Joshua begins by saying these three words, we will use. I love that. We will use. We're going to take this. We're going to use this for a purpose, and we're going to use these stones, and they're going to have a, a purpose in our life and the lives of others. So this is what he says. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you, will, then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River s- stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the very first place uh, you need to visit and experience with others is the place where you commemorate God's goodness together. This is the place in our lives where we have set up A symbol which points to the great work God has done in our life. It is a place of redemption. It is a symbol which instantly draws us back to remember and to give thanks for what God has done. Now, this past Thursday just happened to be Remembrance Day, where we stopped to remember all those who served and gave their lives for our country. We have built war memorials to remember. We we wear poppies to remember. We have uh, ceremonies all for the purpose of remembering. And why do we remember? Because we value our freedom. We are grateful for the freedom we have in this land. And so we have these symbols to point to us to remember and to be thankful and to share with others saying we are free, we are grateful, we are thankful for those who served and gave their life. Now, I have never I'm an old man, had never experienced a war which threatened my freedom. It's been what, I like think 76 years since the last great war, but I know about the war. I remember the war because those who went before me, those who experienced, those who had lived through it made sure that I remember because every year we have a remembrance day. They made great efforts to follow up and to say, don't forget. So Joshua, wanted the following generations to know what God had done for them this day. He didn't want them to uh, forget. He wanted future generations to know how God had delivered them through the rising, rushing waters of the Jordan River, how he fulfilled his promise that he entered the promised land. So he created this symbol. As Joshua explained, the reason for the symbol was we will use, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them. They remind us of that day when God stopped the Jordan and, and it was a miracle. We walked out with this, the priest walked out and stepped into the rushing waters while it was still rushing with the Ark of the Covenant and the waters just dried up. And I can picture back in the early years of when Israel was already had possessed the land for some time and, and how this father and this child is out walking across the land and they come across this huge memorial uh, of 12 stones. And I can see the child saying, Dad, like, why are these stones here? What does it mean? And the father would continue to explain what God had done for them here. In the Jordan. And I'm sure then that child will grow up and have their own children. One day they're out for a walk, and the same thing would happen. Dad or mom, what do these stones mean? And seeing seeing them, the, the, the father or the mother would say, Well, let me tell you about what God has done for us in the past and how we can trust him today and for the future. See, these symbols became a symbol of remembrance for what God has done. And I wonder if you have a place like that in your life. A symbol where you can point to in your life and say, let me tell you how God has worked in me and for me. And all of us would say, you know, we would love to be uh, witnesses to others on God's behalf, right? We would love to do that. We we long to do that. However, we, we're we nervous to, to do that. We We're nervous to share. We fear being rejected or being labeled as strange. So we don't say much. But here's the beauty of having a symbol. Others will see it and go, why do you have that? What does that mean? And you know what that's called? That's called an invitation. (laughs) An invitation to share, which is much easier for us to to take advantage of when others people ask you why. And you say, well, let me tell you why. Let me tell you about Jesus and what he's done for me in my life. They asked you so you can answer them. And no one can dispute your personal testimony for what God has done in your life. They can argue about God and science. They'll argue about God in history. But they cannot argue against the help God has been to you and what you've experienced. And that's why we need um, stones, some sort of symbol which reminds us, which causes others to ask, what? And like, why and, and how? We have these symbols so we'll remember and that others would also know. You know, the very first church I pastored was up on Blue Mountain behind Collingwood, right on the Niagara Scarpet. And the church was in the middle of nowhere. There was no village. There were no crossroads. There was just this church. And years before I arrived to pastor there, the people of this small rural church decided they would erect this huge wooden cross on the hill behind the church. And they got large beams and somehow they maneuvered a tractor pulling these beams up that hill. And they had to hire a professional to dynamite a hole in the rock because it was in the hill because it was rock. And and they put this cross in place. And that happened about 40 years ago. Now that cross behind the church on the hill became a point of interest for everyone driving along the road. Because suddenly you're driving and you're looking, you see the church and you see this big cross up on the hill. It was just like, wow, it's so beautiful. And And I wonder what's up there. And, and people would stop and pull in the parking lot and go up the hill and, and, and to be at the foot of the cross and, and look around the, the area. Now the church, this church had a parsonage attached to it, right where Glenda, you know, where Glenda and I lived. And all that separated us from the church and our house was just a door inside, an inside door. So it was like that much. And I think it was like the third night we moved into the parsonage when in the wee early hours of the morning, I heard a car pulling into the parking lot. And I could tell by their voices, these were a group of young people. So I'm a little nervous. I'm rushing downstairs through that little door from separate the house into the church. I went into the sanctuary and opened up the window so I could hear what these young people were doing. I'm sure they're up to no good. But they were actually heading up the hill to the cross. And as they're making their way up the hill to the cross, like many others have done before, I heard a girl ask the others with her, does anyone know what the cross means? Does anyone know? Why is it here? What does it mean? And no one could answer her. And I wish I could tell you in that moment, I I rushed outside in my pajamas and cried, I can tell you what the cross means and, and proceeded to lead each of them to the Lord and all of them joined the church and joined all sorts of committees. Um, that didn't happen. The truth is, I sat there in the sanctuary. I mean, stunned. You know, this, I just starting like in, in the ministry, and I'm stunned how in this day there could be people who have no idea what the cross stands for and what it means. These young people were drawn to it. In fact, in the middle of the night, they they're, they're want to go up and see it. They want to stand at the foot of the cross. They got to see it, but none of them knew the story behind it. So I shared this story in that first church and the following Sunday during the morning service. And one lady was so moved by that, by what happened that she commissioned a sign to be made and um, at the bottom of the cross, at the bottom of the hill where the cross stood, explaining the meaning of the cross and why the people of the church put it there. So no one would have to come and not know why. Now, a few years back, That, that cross, that 40 year old cross that blew over in a storm and the people, you know, these good for them, these faithful people did not give up. They went back to work and you can see some pictures here. They cut some beams out of the bush and they dragged them up the hill with a tractor. Again, I don't know how they did that. And uh, they set a new cross in place where it still stands today for people to see. And I'm wondering today, this is what I'm wondering. Do you have a place like that in your life, a symbol you can point to and say, let me tell you. How God has worked in my life. What does that symbol mean? Let me tell you. Let me explain the great work of God. And these are reminders. I I have them in my office. Like, I honestly, this this is meaningful to me. I put up in my office little things that represent, that that talk about how God has worked to help find my beautiful wife. How God has worked in my ministry and led me and kept calling me. And people ask, well, why do you have that? Then I tell them, well, let me tell you. A couple comes in to be married. What's that mean? I will tell them. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. So the first place um, that we're going to visit is where you commemorate God's goodness with others. And after each point this morning, I would just love just to say a short prayer as we visit each one of these places. So we've gone to this first place. We looked at, you know, this idea of symbol and to remember what God has done. Let me just pray for you before we move on to the second place, okay? Dear God, what a joy and privilege it is to be like a living stone that proclaims your wonders to the world. I thank you for the life-changing impact you have made in my life. And help me always be ready and to be willing to share about what you have done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's move on to the uh, next place in Joshua. I read this past week uh, a very honest comment um, by a Christian author, which caused me just to pause for a moment. um what they said really was an honest moment of transparent confession, which I could resonate with, and, I'm, and I believe you can too. This author said these words: "I want obedience to God to be convenient," and is not—it's not true. Like there, there are two different declarations being made here. Number one, I want to be obedient to God, right? And, and I agree. I really, really want to be obedient to God. And I know, I know you do too. But However, the second declaration being made is this, and we, we, we can identify with this. I, I would like obedience to be easy and pain free. (laughs) And you know what? I do. And I, I think you do too. And I would like, I would like if maybe obedience to God came without cost. It just would just, if it could just come without any pain. More than that, I want obedience to always make sense to me. The next place we're going to visit is a, a painful one, literally. Uh, it is a place where we become weak and where we will become vulnerable together. Um, we, we it's a place in Joshua chapter five. They've just crossed the Jordan River. They're ready to encounter the first battle in the promised land at Jericho. And then in Joshua five, two, before they're ready to go to battle, before the next step happens, God gives this command to Joshua, who then gives it to his fighting men. And this is what it is. At this time, okay, this, at this time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. Now, don't rush by those first Three words at that time. You see, God is asking Joshua, the strong military leader who had just led his people across the Jordan into enemy territory to stop everything and incapacitate his people to to, to cause them to be ineffective. And again, there's a symbol involved here. It's the symbol of circumcision, which represents a covenant God, remember, made with Abraham for the Israelite people. And the covenant already included that God would give them this promised land. God said to Abraham, and I will give you the entire land of Canaan, that's the promised land, where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. So, if the people already have this land, if God says it's already yours, I'm giving it to you, you just stepped into it, why is he saying stop now and be circumcised? Well, here's why God had already set the land, set apart the land for them. But they, the people, needed to be set apart to God. There is such an important message here for Joshua. And for us today, what mattered most wasn't conquering other nations. It was their personal consecration. The land was theirs, but their heart had to be his. And they showed this through the obedient act of circumcision. Now, consider for a moment all that, that could have kept him from falling through um and being obedient to God here at this time you know at this time number 1 there is the idol of personal comfort and convenience i mean circumcision usually took place when a child a boy eight when they're 8 days old but being circumcised as a grown man is a much different story much more painful much more inconvenient uh you know there are times when when God will ask us to to be obedient and and like the author said you know i i, I want to be to be convenient. I want obedience to God to be convenient, but it isn't always that way, is it? And yet we trust God because it's a matter of faith. We believe him. See, God makes these incredible, uh, promises in his word to us about what happens when we are obedient, even when it isn't convenient, even when it's not comfortable. In fact, there's so many promises. I can't read them all, but I just want to, I just want to take some time just to quickly popcorn some of them to you. So here's a few. God blesses those who obey him. He saves those who obey Him. The Lord watches over those who obey Him. The Lord takes care of those who obey Him. God gives us what we ask for because we obey God's commands. Always obey the Lord and you'll be happy. Keep God's laws and you will live longer. Those who obey Him have all they need. Those who obey the Lord lack nothing good. So what can keep us from doing that? What can keep us from obeying the Lord and experiencing all these things? Well, it's the idol of comfort and convenience. But even so, like these men, we say, okay, I will trust you. Um, and I believe you're going to follow through on all these promises that, that you made with Abraham. And for us, what we read here in the Bible for us today, too. What can keep us from being obedient to God? Well, there is also the barrier of fear in human reasoning. Like, I can hear these fighting men. Like, they they just crossed the river. They're excited. They see Jericho. They're camped out there, and they're ready to fight. And I can hear these when Joshua comes to say, okay, now we're going to be circumcised. I can hear these fighting men crying out. What? Get circumcised now? This is not a good time, Joshua. We will be weak and vulnerable to attack if we do this. This isn't the time to be weak. We're camped outside the city of the enemy. Why can't this wait till later until we're all settled in the land? Can you understand um, that dilemma? So here's the second place we need to experience together it, together: is this you consecrate yourselves together to God. That's that's the second, you need to, con- we need to consecrate ourselves together for God. We need to first realize that we are in a battle. Why? Because we have an enemy who wants to take you down. And how do I know this? Because the Bible just says it all over the place. Uh, we, in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, so we know who he is. He prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. You see, as soon as you declare your allegiance to God, as soon as you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you instantly have an enemy called Satan. He wants to take you down. He wants to take you out. And, in you know, a scripture verse that's been very meaningful in my life and the lives of many others is where Jesus talks to us in John 10, 10, very plainly. He says the thief, that's the enemy, that's Satan. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's his job description. I'm going to steal from you. I'm going to rot from you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. But Jesus says, I come for a different reason. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, our God is a warrior. Can you understand why? We are in a battle. We have an enemy. So God takes up the the, the, the position of warrior. In fact, Exodus 13, 3, or 15, 3 tells us, the Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. He is fighting to bring us life abundantly. He is fighting to bring us life eternally. There is a battle. It's already won, but there are these battles. And the Bible is full of stories of these battles. Like there's David and Goliath, right? There is Moses and Pharaoh at the Red Sea. I love the one of King Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the army uh, of Judah, who bring these worshipers and set them out in front of the fighting men, who just worship and praise God and win the battle. It's amazing. And of course, we where we find ourselves now in the book of Joshua, there is the battle Of Jericho, so God always set apart the land for these people in Joshua's day. But they needed to be set; they need to be set apart to Him, and so do you and I. Through Jesus, God has always set apart heaven for us. It's ours. You know, we don't have to work; we don't have to earn it; we don't have to work for it. We can't. God just secured it for us through Christ. But our hearts need to be set apart for Him. Do you understand that? And there's fancy words for that. We use the word sanctification, or the word we're using here is consecration. And it all comes down to this. Our hearts have to belong, need to belong to Him first. Even when it's not convenient. Even when it's not comfortable. Even when it leaves us feeling vulnerable. Now, we spoke about this um, in our men's group this past week. And I tell you, some of the insights the guys had, I was just so proud of them. They had some amazing words, some wisdom that were so valuable about this whole idea how we're in a battle. And that's why I'm in a life group, because as followers of Jesus, we are warriors, and we're not to fight this battle alone. We have God, but we also need one another. We need others around us. We need to know, can I count on these others, these other guys around me when I'm in the battle? Is their heart set apart for God? And one of the things you want to know when you're in battle is, can I count on these guys? So, you know, uh, one of the fellows in our group was sharing how how in the special forces, the soldiers in special forces always go out in threes to their missions um, because they don't go, don't do it alone. When the air force, when, the, air, uh, uh, force, when the, the jets go out into a fight, they go into battle, they do it in formation, right? There's others around them. They don't go alone. And that's so true for us as well. We have God but we need each other and we need to be consecrated together. We need to be weak and vulnerable when God asks us to be so we can be made strong and trust in him. Cuz for me some of the saddest words I find in the Bible are is John 6, 6, 666. I think that's a I don't think that's a coincidence 666. That there were followers of Jesus who were finding it now just getting it's just getting too inconvenient for me, too uncomfortable for me to follow you anymore Lord. And in John 666 it simply says at this point many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They went AWOL. <laughs> they deserted. And, and Jesus turned to his own disciples and asked them this question, are you also going to leave? And I can hear God asking me that question. I can hear God asking you the question when our personal comfort is threatened, when when it gets too inconvenient to follow him, are you going to leave now? And it was Peter, it'd be good for Peter, the outspoken Peter who, who stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, to whom would we go to? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. And I know God wants you to hear this word today, friends. I know because he, not just because he, you know, he led me into this theme of the battle, but, um, it, but even when we came to men's group, uh, before we even knew what Men's Group was about, the theme was the battle. And, and if this were not enough confirmation, all of the songs Manuela could have chose to end with today, and I didn't tell her I was speaking on, all the songs she could have chose with today, this is the one she picked, the battle. It is a God's way of telling you what we need to know is that we are in a battle. So let me pray for you uh before we head to our final destination today. Um Let me pray. Father God, I am so thankful I can trust you at all times. You would never ask for my obedience in something unless it truly mattered, unless it was part of your good and perfect plan. Give me strength and wisdom that I need to walk in your ways, and forgive me for all the times I've chosen my comfort over your purposes. I'm forever thankful for your mercy and grace. Ah, in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one more place we need to visit with others. Um, found the Joshua chapter five, and I'm going to share it with you very quickly. In fact, I should tell you, I, I do my sermons the opposite of how they taught me in school. They said, make the first point the shortest point because then people feel, Oh, that wasn't too bad. And the second point a bit longer. And okay. And then the third point you hit them. Well, I do the opposite. My first points are always the longest. The second's a bit shorter and the third is the shortest. And so just know this will come quickly. But we need to remember before they claimed the promised land God had given them, before they took hold of it, before they fought that first battle at Jericho in the promised land, uh, they f- com- commemorated God's goodness and deliverance together by building the symbol of memorial stones, right? And then secondly, they consecrated themselves to God together in an act of obedience, even if, if it wasn't uh, convenient or comfortable for them at the time. And finally, before heading off to fight the first battle in the Promised Land, they did one more thing. They celebrated God together. So they commemorated God, they consecrated themselves to God, and then they celebrated God together. We read this in Joshua 5.10. While the Israelites were camped at Gagal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. You see, after Joshua reestablished this uh, covenant ceremony of circumcision, the, El- the Israelites celebrated Passover, which which is a tradition uh, to remember the first and uh, that final plague that God used to convince Pharaoh to let their people go out of Egypt when they were there in slavery. By celebrating God's deliverance in the past, they would be prepared for the battle ahead. Celebrating Passover provided this tangible remember of God's faithfulness to embolden them and, and for to, to bolster their trust in God during this time of need. So why do we need to celebrate together today? Why do we want to visit this place? And why, though we can do it alone, why do we want to bring others with us? Because celebrating God's goodness, deliverance, and provision in the past can strengthen us in the present that cross i told you about that we that the church erected behind um uh up on the hill we had a tradition in that church i was there for over 12 years we had a tradition on every sunday morning easter sunday morning at sunrise not not later in the day at sunrise we would go up to that cross and not just the church people but people from other churches would come every easter sunday morning and we would go up to that cross on the hill, and we would encircle that cross together, making a circle around it. And we would take time giving testimonies to God's goodness. We would give confession of consecrating ourselves to Him. And we celebrated God together. And the tradition that we had set up in that place um to remember was this. Every time someone shared like this is what happened in my life this year. This is what God has done for me. They, they when they would celebrate, we would celebrate with them and we would start we would sing the song. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the testimony was given, and we would celebrate with him, declaring the truth. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead, and he is Lord. I tell you, that was such a powerful morning in our yearly calendar I know it spoke to people. I know people look forward to this every year. In fact, the people that come up to that cross on Easter sunrise morning, some of them who who died, their last wish was to have their bodies um, cremated into ashes. And they wanted them to be set at the foot of that cross. So it was not uncommon to go up to that cross and see someone had left their ashes there. Because it's such a powerful place where they celebrated the goodness of God, where they could look back and give us power in the present to look forward and to know this is my life. It's hidden in the cross of Jesus Christ. I want that for you today too, my friends. That's a place we need to visit. And we need to visit and celebrate with others as well. So let me pray for you one more time as we leave these three places that we looked at in Joshua chapters 4 and 5. Lord, you are my Passover lamb. Just as a lamb was sacrificed at Passover, you came that very same day they chose a lamb to be our sacrificial lamb. And just as that lamb was, was put to death at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you were put to death at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Thank you for your sacrifice on my behalf, Lord. Help me to remember and to celebrate the, your deliverance. I have battles ahead in my life. Help me to find strength in the present as I reflect on your faithfulness in the past. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.